Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Today, I have an episode on culture shock in undergrad versus grad school. I've been thinking a lot about um, students who are applying to grad school or getting ready to apply to grad school right now. I've been thinking about um, those that have been accepted and have started their graduate programs or are about to start their graduate program. This is orientation week for those in the UC system, which means that your classes are starting soon. They either have just started or they're starting in the coming week. And what comes up a lot when you're new, when you're transitioning into a new program, a new space, a new setting, a new institution is you're having to learn to navigate the culture. What is it like here? What are the expectations? Um, what uh, do people do around here? What's the workload gonna be like? Um, what do they think of me? What do I think of them? And it reminds me of the culture shock that a lot of us who are first-gen experience when we first go to college. So for me, I'll tell you this. When I first went to college, I um, was privileged enough to attend a program called the Freshman Summer Program at UCLA. It was a transitional program the summer before your freshman year to help you learn the campus, navigate the space and have access to resources and meet students like you who were also first-gen students of color. And I remember um, I was roomed with someone and my roommate was of a different race and ethnicity as me. And she had parents who were doctor. One was a doctor, another was a lawyer, if I remember correctly. Her family came to drop her off. Her bro older brother was there. He had gone to UCLA and they were all helping her unpack and decorate her room. And I remember just what a difference it was, her situation versus mine. Mine, my mom was really uncomfortable with driving me to the campus. So she asked my older brother to come with her. They came, they dropped me off at the front of the building. Uh, they put my stuff on a yellow cart and said, bye mija, mucha suerte, like good luck. She had to head to work. And I was on my own from there. I remember being so afraid, um, 17 years old, completely on my own. First one to move out of the house in my, you know, among my family. I have five other siblings. So it was a big deal. And having to unpack and decorate all of that by myself. And then they, you know, asked me, the parents and my roommate, so what do your parents do? And I remember I didn't really know how to respond. I was like, well, my dad died and um, my mom sells candles. <laughs> she sells religious articles. And that was about it. That was all I could say. But I remember feeling 
different. And to me, that was the first moment that I realized that I was first generation without quite being able to articulate it at that moment. Then, of course, I attended classes, met more people, professors, staff members, learned the, the term first generation, both in the US and in college, and realized, wow, that was the moment that I, I it was stark and, and very clear that I was like, oh, I'm different. I'm first generation. I'm different from other people here. So that was my first kind of experience of culture shock in undergrad. Um, culture shock for me was also being, first time being around so many white people. Um, I grew up in the Northeast San Fernando Valley uh, community that has a predominant Mexican immigrant community. And so I was around a lot of brown folks, but not a lot of white or black folks or even any other ethnicities outside of being um, Mexican, Central American, a couple of folks from South America, but really um, predominantly Mexican and some Central Americans. And that was what I was exposed to in my childhood. So being around, you know, folks of different races was a big deal for me. Being around middle class and wealthy folks was also a big deal. I don't think I realized just how poor we were until I got to campus and realized, wow, like people actually take vacations. People can afford new laptops. People um, don't have to have part-time jobs. Uh, people um, have parents who pay their rent for them. All of that was news to me. Uh, it was also my first time being in a city outside of my own. So that was another culture shock of the difference between my smaller city and the big city of Los Angeles. Also, um, the big, big culture shock too was the culture shock in not knowing the hidden curriculum. So not knowing all the acronyms, all of the jargon, all of the expectations, the decorum, like what are you supposed to do when you go to class? Um, not knowing what office hours were. So everything was new and I was so shy. And to be frank, embarrassed to ask questions. I thought that people were gonna think that I was not smart and that I didn't belong and that I should have never been admitted and that I should quit. And to me, that, you know, that was the ultimate failure. So I avoided that, I avoided asking questions and I learned things the hard way. So that what to me was culture shock in undergrad was navigating all of those, those differences. So I didn't quite expect to have to go through such a major culture shock in graduate school because I mean, I was one of the privileged ones. I was in a two year research and grad school preparation program, very similar to McNair called the Mellon Mays Undergraduate Research Fellowship and through the two years I was with that program, I was getting groomed to go to graduate school. I was being taught what to expect in graduate school, being taught how to conduct research. And yet there were still things that came as a surprise to me that may come as a surprise to you if you're new to grad school too, or if you're just getting started with applying. So I want to mention some of those things, what they were for me, because they might come up for you as well. 
So the one thing that I noticed right away in my graduate program was that there were fewer first generation students. What did that mean? That meant regardless of whether someone was white or a person of color, it was hard for me to find folks who were first gen like me. A lot of folks had parents who had advanced degrees or who had PhDs and that was different. Also, even fewer folks who were working class. Again, a lot of folks came from generational wealth, didn't have to worry about their tuition and their funding and their fees. That was very different for me. I, I was not accustomed to being around, especially wealthy people, like noti noticing that people in my program, I remember someone going and spending their uh, spring break. They're like, oh, I think I'm gonna give myself, you know, a reward myself with a trip to Tahiti. And I'm like, I don't, at that point, I don't think I had ever even been outside of the continent. I think I had only gone to places in the US and Mexico and that was it. <laughs> and so to me, oh my goodness, you can just treat yourself to a trip abroad was such a luxury and was very different from my own um, experience. So being around wealthy, wealthy people, uh, seeing where they lived when they invited us to study groups. I'm like, oh my God, goodness, you live in, you know, what back in the day it was like double or triple what I was paying for rent. I'm like that was very different. The other thing that was um, different and uh, that reminded me of undergrad is again, not knowing the jargon, but in undergrad, it wasn't just, you know, it was kind of like, not knowing the jargon of being on a campus, but this time it was not knowing the jargon, the vocabulary of the department and discipline itself. Perhaps it was harder for me because I did switch fields. So I went from literature to performance. And so there was probably a lot that I missed in that transition. But nonetheless, I've heard from several friends, colleagues, students that no matter what, no matter how much they learn in undergrad, they feel like they have only touched the surface with what they're learning in undergrad. And then they get to graduate school and realize, oh my goodness, like everybody else, it seems as if they know all the prominent scholars, they know all of the studies, they know all of the tr big terms in the field, uh, the hot scholars, et cetera. Like they are familiar and they know what they're talking about. That's not always necessarily true. Or maybe those folks have had more time in graduate school to get accustomed to, again, the culture and the, the language that's used. And um, you shouldn't feel bad if you need to take notes and do a little bit of extra research uh, to catch up. So the jargon, especially the jargon, not knowing the jargon in my department was a big deal. I know I butchered many, many scholar names in trying to say them out loud. And sometimes people corrected me, sometimes they didn't. And yes, it was embarrassing and oh, well, you know, you live and you learn. Um, the other thing that I think is a type of culture shock that was different for me in graduate school than in undergrad is that when I got to graduate school, I noticed that I was around a lot of people who were all convinced that they were gonna become academics. And I think I've always had in the back of my head this feeling that, oh, I don't know if I wanna do this for the rest of my life. I was always a very good student. 
I couldn't think of anything else to do with my interest in literature and performance that could pay the bills. And so it made sense to go to graduate school and possibly become a professor. But again, in the back of my head, I there was always that, that thought of like, I don't know if this is it for me. Oh, maybe I want to do something different. And I was not presented with options. So if I have any kind of critique that I want to make to my undergraduate research program, and perhaps something that I would want to implement in programs if I were still involved in them, it's that to, to teach students about other options outside of the academic tenure track path, because why? There are just not enough jobs out there. To be frank, there are not enough stable tenure track jobs for everybody that's getting a PhD. And so to me, whenever I had and expressed my, my considerations or my desire to possibly not go the tenure track route, to possibly work in higher ed, but to a, in a different capacity, even less if I had even thought about leaving academia altogether like I'm doing now, you know, people looked at me like, something was wrong <laughs> like why would you want to not why would like you have to become a professor um so that was a big shock is is being around people who could not see outside of life in academia and being around people who had made um, academia their entire identity that was hard because I've always had multiple identities outside of my academic identity, whether it's, you know, being a daughter of immigrants, having certain responsibilities, whether it's having a chronic illness, eventually becoming a mom, I have always had other things. Um, and I have never been able to 100% devote myself to my job or to my research. And that's frowned upon, or at least that was frowned upon, you know, in my program. That was a big, big shock to me. Uh, the other thing I noticed in graduate school that was different from undergrad, again, another shock is that in undergrad, I did feel like if I searched for it enough, I could find support, I could find programs, I could get help. Whereas in grad school, a lot of times it felt like we were just fending for ourselves. There were fewer student orgs, for instance. There were fewer scholarships. There were fewer kind of programs that were catered to helping, again, helping grad students. Everything felt like it was the, the focus was on undergrads and not so much on the grad students. And that made it hard because that only increased the sense of isolation and the sense of struggle when you don't have the kind of built in support within the institution. And so for me, I constantly felt in graduate school that I had to create that support, that I had to build that community, because if it wasn't there, then I needed to build it and create it to sustain myself. And that's one of the ways that I was able to finish and graduate. But you may notice that you may feel like, oh, there's less support, there's fewer programs. Um, where are the student orgs for grad students? The another thing that comes up a lot has to do the, with the way that you're treated in undergrad versus in grad school. In undergrad, you are seen as a student and as someone who's learning and as such, you know, you'll get a lot of support, especially, you know, some professors are different than others, but 
generally speaking, there's more handholding. Even in the syllabus, there are more firm deadlines. Um, there is support. You know, you can get support on your writing, support on um, a project. Whereas in grad school, a lot of times you have soft deadlines. What does that mean? That means, okay, your advisor might want you to finish something by a certain date, but if not, it's not the end of the world. You can kind of just stay in graduate school another year and keep working on your dissertation. And so because there are soft deadlines, because you're expected to be more independent, time management can be really hard. All of a sudden you have a lot of time on your hands, especially when you're done with your courses, when you're done with your exams and you're just working on your dissertation and keyword just because it just makes it seem like it's an easy thing to do, but it's actually incredibly hard to have this open schedule and yet have so much to do because it, it takes a lot to work on a dissertation project. You're not just writing, you're creating knowledge, you're gathering data you are um, you know, revising, you are polishing it. So you are sending it to multiple committee members. You are getting all of their input and addressing it. So it takes quite a bit of time and effort. And when you have soft deadlines, when people aren't checking up on you, when no one is holding your hand, um, that makes it harder. And that can be a bit of a shock, especially for folks who aren't um, as comfortable with their time management. So that's another big one. Um, another thing I wanna mention has to do with, you know, it really depends on your discipline because some disciplines have more people of color in them. Um, some disciplines have more folks who come from working class backgrounds. But um, in my experience, like I mentioned earlier, I found it hard to find first gen folks. And even among people of color, I found it hard to relate to a lot of them because of our class difference or um, because of um, cultural differences. Like, you know, they may have been Latinx, but maybe they weren't um, Latinx with, you know, uh, Mexican heritage, or maybe they weren't Latinx and I don't know. Um, they weren't like aware, you know, I, I know there's this um, saying that some people say is like skin folk are not always kin folk. Like there's some folks who were POC, but I just didn't feel comfortable. I, I didn't feel safe around them. And just to say it bluntly, I didn't feel safe around them. I didn't feel like I could confide in them and share kind of, and be completely honest and upfront. And a lot of things felt like surface level. Like I could only you know, do small talk with them. And I, I don't like small talk. I am not a fan of it. I like to be real, open, honest, upfront, transparent, even in some cases, blunt with people. And so that was hard to be around other POC and not fully relate to them. And another thing I wanna mention, um, and I'm guilty of this too, in, in terms of my own kind of like skin color is that there's a lot of colorism in graduate school. I wanna put it out there, like as you advance, that's the thing, so you'll notice, you know, from undergrad to graduate school, from graduate school to becoming um, junior faculty, the number of POC folks diminishes. It keeps diminishing. That's why when you notice in your classes, there aren't a lot of black and brown professors. 
And that's unfortunate, but also a lot of people are pushed out. People like me, people like my colleagues, my friends, you know, they get pushed out. They decide to leave for, for better, um, more sustainable, more healthy environments. So going back to the colorism, even among folks who are Latinx, even among folks who are black, like there's not a lot of dark skin folks in grad school. And I think that has to do with colorism in academia. We have heard of cases of folks who have actually been imposters, actually pretended to be black or brown, um, and they've gotten away with it, or they've, um, you know, they've they've said that they are indigenous and and they're not, uh, they're Native American and they're not. And that is a big problem. And so that's why I want to remind you that even if someone is a person of color, even if they're BIPOC, um, that doesn't always necessarily mean that they're a safe person for you, or that they're someone that you want to build community with. And I think to me, that was a big shock. And I think that's why it helped me to kind of lean on my own community and not always have to rely on, on folks in my department, for instance, to, to build that community. Um, another thing I wanna mention is like, so what do you do when you're initially navigating this culture shock? Because it's really hard that first semester, that first quarter, that first year, sometimes even the second year, it can be really hard. You are, it's normal to be made to feel like you don't belong. It's normal to keep experiencing microaggressions. You might think it's imposter syndrome, but actually it's white supremacy. You know what I mean? Um, what do you do then? Well, make sure to ask questions. Ask questions, especially when you're able to identify safe people, people that you know are cool, are not gonna put your business out there, um, are gonna advocate for you, make sure you try to build community. Um, and also remind yourself that you're not meant to fit in. This space wasn't made for people like you. And it's even more of a reason for you to keep going. You know, especially if you have a strong reason for pursuing this degree, if you know exactly why you're doing it, you know what you're gonna get out of it, and you remain committed to finishing, keep reminding yourself that so that the times that you feel like, oof, like I, I'm so different, I don't belong, um, I'm struggling, you can kind of let that be that inspiration to keep you going, to keep you kind of building that momentum to finish and then pursue the next thing. And the next thing might be staying in academia or the next thing might be considering options outside of it. Um, I think that's all I wanna say about culture shock. I hope that you found this helpful. I really want you to think about all the different things that you're navigating and that you may be navigating soon and to remind yourself that it's okay. It's okay if you don't 100% fit in. It's okay if you're struggling um, and always you know, ask questions, ask for help build community and um, you will get through it. Thank you so much and I'll talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. 
If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at eventmartinezvu.com. Until next time.